Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Quad Shot, where we help you down and digest the day's most pertinent cancer news. It's February 22nd, 2021. Welcome to The Quadcast. Let's dive in. First up, patch through. Can exogenous estrogen be used to treat prostate cancer? Well, in the 1960s, both orchiectomy and exogenous estrogen were used to treat advanced disease. Exogenous estrogens feed back to inhibit LHRH production and result in castrate testosterone levels. When ADH is used, though, testosterone depletion also results in estrogen depletion. And it's that estrogen depletion that's thought to contribute to skeletal and cardiovascular side effects of ADT. So why don't we use estrogens much today? Well, a VA trial in the 1960s found that treatment with 5 milligrams of daily diethylstilbestrol significantly increased cardiovascular mortality and the risk of thromboembolism. That and the development of effective forms of chemical castration is the reason we don't see much estrogen today. Didn't we say estrogen depletion contributed to cardiovascular toxicity from ADT? Yes, but oral estrogens cause adverse cardiovascular and prothrombotic events because they take a first pass through the liver and can have major effects on hepatic protein synthesis. Enter the UK PATCH trial, as published in Lancet 2021 by Langley et al. The UK PATCH trial compares exogenous estrogen therapy using a transdermal estradiol patch to bypass first-pass hepatic metabolism, compares that to ADT with an LHRH agonist. Earlier results have shown no difference in castrate testosterone levels at three months. 93% in both groups. This long-term report looks at cardiovascular outcomes and shows no difference in the time to first cardiovascular event or the rate of cardiovascular mortality between arms. Of note though, a third of cardiovascular events in the estradiol arm occurred after it was stopped or changed to an LHRH agonist. Gynecomastia was more frequent with estradiol, while hot flashes were more frequent with LHRH agonists. A final remaining question in using transdermal estradiol as an alternative form of ADT is whether survival and prostate cancer outcomes are similar with transdermal estrogen. The bottom line is, transdermal estradiol does not increase cardiovascular morbidity or mortality, although it didn't decrease it either. When compared to LHRH agonists in men with advanced prostate cancer. Up second, cut to chemo. Does primary tumor resection improve survival in patients with metastatic colorectal cancer? Surgery can play an important role in the management of the primary tumor and metastatic sites for patients with metastatic colorectal cancer. However, there are various metastatic scenarios and it is unclear if surgery is beneficial for each. One scenario is when patients have a resectable primary 
but unresectable synchronous metastases. In other words, all their disease can't be resected and they otherwise don't have a pressing need for surgical symptom relief. In the IPAX trial, patients with primary colorectal adenocarcinoma in one to three sites of unresectable metastatic disease, mostly liver mets, were randomized to standard chemotherapy with or without resection of the primary tumor. Importantly, primary tumor resection was done up front, not after initial systemic therapy. Patients were required to be asymptomatic from the primary, meaning they didn't have any obstructive symptoms. Chemotherapy consisted of modified Fulfox-6 or Capox, both with the addition of Bevacizumab. The trial was stopped early for futility after 156 patients were enrolled, and there was no difference in median overall survival between chemo only at 26 months and chemo plus primary tumor resection at 26 months. There was also no difference in median progression-free survival. Primary tumor resection resulted in higher post-op complications, increased non-hematologic chemo complications, and it also delayed the start of chemo a median of 34 days. Over the follow-up period, 13% of patients in the chemo-only arm required surgery due to the development of symptomatic primary disease. The bottom line is, for patients with colorectal cancer and unresectable synchronous metastases, upfront primary tumor resection appears to increase complications without improving survival outcomes. Thanks to Kanemitsu, JCO, 2021. Up next, making the cut. What is the best approach to locally recurrent nasopharyngeal carcinoma following prior definitive radiation? Such questions are usually the subject of retrospective or population-based comparisons with recognized biases toward approved outcomes for patients who are selected for a resection. But here, we have two well-timed papers to update our approach to recurrent nasopharyngeal carcinoma. First, there are international consensus recommendations on re-irradiation of recurrent nasopharyngeal carcinoma. A point of unanimous agreement among the various expert approaches was that resectable recurrences should be managed with surgery. This brings us to the second study where we have an actual randomized trial of surgery versus re-irradiation for locally recurrent but resectable nasopharyngeal carcinoma. This Chinese phase three trial enrolled 200 patients with local only recurrence of nasopharyngeal carcinoma that it was deemed to be resectable and was conducted at three centers with particular expertise in the endoscopic procedure that was required. Enrollees were randomized to re-irradiation or endoscopic nasopharyngectomy. Overall survival at three years was significantly higher after surgery as compared to re-irradiation, 86% versus 68%. Late radiation effects appeared to play an important role in survival outcomes by contributing to death in 20% of re-irradiation patients, compared to just 5% of surgery patients. Importantly though, both this trial and the expert recommendations stress the fact 
that successful resection of recurrent nasopharyngeal carcinoma requires expertise and experience that may not be widely available. The bottom line is, among patients with resectable, locally recurrent nasopharyngeal carcinoma, expert endoscopic resection is associated with much higher overall survival compared to re-irradiation with late radiation effects being a major contributor to overall mortality. Thanks to Lou, Lancet Oncology, 2021. Up next, five years after five fractions. Satisfied with the safety of ultra-hypofractionated prostate radiation? Next up, of course, is ultra-hypofractionated prostate proton radiation. Here is a look at 279 men receiving prostate-directed, intensity-modulated proton therapy of 7.25 gray times 5 fractions for a total of 36.25 gray for low and intermediate-risk prostate cancer at a single check center from 2013 to 2016. 12% had unfavorable intermediate risk, and the rest were evenly split between low and favorable intermediate risk. Survival without evidence of biochemical recurrence at five years was 97% for low risk, 92% for favorable intermediate risk, and 84% for unfavorable intermediate risk. In other words, pretty good. What's more, grade 2 plus GI toxicity was less than 8%, and grade 2 plus GU toxicity was only 5%. Granted, this is not a head-to-head comparison with photons, and there is a distinct population that gets protons in a non-randomized real world. Nonetheless, these outcomes fare quite well compared to more prolonged photon treatment. The bottom line is, five-year efficacy and toxicity rates with 5-fraction proton therapy for low to intermediate risk prostate cancer are excellent from a single check institution. Thanks to Kubis, Red Journal, 2021. Finally, hypofractionation after mastectomy? Sure thing. This data review of prospective trials spanning back to the 1997 reporting of the British Columbia Canadian trial points to hypofractionation over three to four weeks being a safe and effective treatment option for post-mastectomy radiation that, just as been the case in the UK for years, may soon be the new standard in the United States. Thanks to Sayin, Advances in Radiation Oncology, 2021. This concludes today's episode of The Quad Shot. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and subscribing to our podcast. Also, check out our website at www.quadshotnews.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We'll catch you next time.